there, and welcome to episode number, this is 13. 13. Lucky, lucky number 13. 13. <laughs> uh, Even what? though we've had a rough start, it's lucky number 13. Hey, you know, it's it's hard in the beginning, it's messy in the middle, and it's beautiful in the end. <laughs> that's, that's the mantra I'm living by these okay. days. I like it. And by the time the recorded version of this hits the web... All and of another this chatter will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll cut it all out. It will be so polished and beautiful, and people will think that we're so professional, and that we just uh, we have a natural ability to get in front of a camera on the internet live, crank up a few mics, and we're just like total, butter, total just pros. butter. Well, I'm a, see, and this is where my phone being right there is going to be a distraction. Yes. So we're here <clears throat> right this moment. On Dial a Drummer for episode 13. 13. On Monday. And today is October the 2nd. Is that right? That is correct. And uh, <clears throat> right now by my clock, it's almost 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. And we're here live uh, taping our show that eventually ends up at dialadrummer.net. Mm-hmm. But you can find us on all the socials. If you uh, pretty much hit every social network um, and you search for Dial a Drummer, you'll find us. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on uh, Facebook. We're on Periscope Twitter. We're on Instagram. And this week, we're streaming to a brand new site. We're adding to a family of people. Tell us, Brian. We are streaming so many different places at one time. Makes my head spin. It's crazy. (laughs) So, uh, actually, this week, I want to give a shout-out to anyone from Chew.TV that's watching us this week. Chew.TV. Yeah, Chew.TV is um, a live-streaming website that's primarily for DJs. But they're also encouraging producers and musicians and people who are musical personalities to, um, to add a channel and to put programming up there. Oh, nice. Uh, so most of what you'll see at Chew TV is a lot of DJs, a lot of this. Or now with laptops, it's a lot of this. This. This? That's the sound. Of, if you take the soundtrack away, that's the sound of the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Click, pop. You'll superimpose something on the edit <laughs> later, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why people like Dead Mouth. But that's cool. Another helmets. way for people yeah. to express their art form. Right. In a live streaming And, and at capacity. a certain point, it, uh, one of the things about putting a, a channel up on Chew TV is uh, at some point we're actually going to bring some content to that site that's uh, drum-specific and especially uh, drums in a production-specific. Um, live drums and recorded drums, programming, loops, all kinds of cool nice. stuff. So uh, this is just one piece of content that we're starting to kind of get our feet wet with this platform. So I want to welcome the Chew TV people. Uh, anyone that's from that channel that's watching today. And uh, feel free to leave comments. Uh, Shannon has a brand new Chromebook that we're trying. We're trying a lot of cool technology we today that um, we're, we're monitoring chats with. So if you've got comments, you've got questions, by all means, you can leave them here in the live stuff. If you're watching or listening to the recorded version, you can always email us at dialadrummer at gmail.com. Or hashtag us on any of the social networks with the hashtag Dial a Drummer. And um, the thing, one of the things I'm welcoming for people to start doing this week is if you're if you're playing a gig, if you're doing a recording session, if you're just practicing, take a picture of it, put it on your social profile, and hashtag us Dial a Drummer. Okay, nice. What I'd love to start doing <laughs> Get is some start, interaction yeah, and start featuring some people. You know, somebody's playing a really cool gig on a really cool kit, and we're going to talk about gear today. We're going to totally geek out today. You're going to love this. Um, if somebody's got a really cool kit in a really cool place, take a picture. Hashtag us at 
uh, hashtag dial a drummer and show us. We would love to feature it on the show. Absolutely. We'd like to show people what you're doing. This isn't just about what we're sitting here. No, we're trying to create a community for drummers and all musicians, really just a a platform to have some fun with. So, uh, all of those great ways to get in touch with us, make sure you share us with your friends. That's a huge favor for you can do. And go to our YouTube channel, just search Dial a Drummer on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Every week, a few more people are subscribing and they're getting us to that magic number where we can secure that channel as the Dial a Drummer moniker, the Dial a Drummer channel. Uh, in name, address, We're URL. We're getting there. We're close. Stuff. We're getting there. Uh, if you go to dialdrummer.net slash YouTube, it'll actually take you to our page directly. But we're, we're trying to get that YouTube.com slash dialadrummer because that makes it official. It just makes it cooler. Yeah. Makes us, it makes a couple of dads on the internet much cooler. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so today we've got our own YouTube station. <laughs> man, you catch us on the MeTubes. Oh man, I love getting you've on the MeTubes. When you have your own YouTube <laughs> you, I'm a YouTube star, mama. <laughs> uh, so today we are gonna totally party of one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's two now, baby. That's right. We're both there together, yeah. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to totally, totally geek out about drums because that's really one of the reasons why we started this little that's true. shindig. Is so that we could talk about cool gear that we like, things that we like to play on, things we like to hit things with. and Our favorite go-to things. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking about our... Uh, we're calling this the rig rundown. Yes. And it's basically a rundown of the gear that we use live and or in the studio. And we can talk about why we love that stuff, why we use that stuff, and why it's so near and dear to our hearts. Absolutely. What um, we're using, who we're using, that kind of thing. We're definitely doing like drum talk radio today. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, this is like... It's if, especially close to our heart because it's our gear. Right. Right, exactly, exactly. It's not like some backline kit we're forced to play. Well, see, well, that's it. Like right. you know, you, if you if you end up going to a gig that has backline, you kind of you're there at the mercy of whatever shows up. And uh, I know you like me. You and how some, hard the guy played the kit before you got to play on yeah. it. <laughs> Or the head's wasted. Or where they pulled it from. There's been a few times I've gotten kits. I'm like, did they get this from some 10-year-old's room? (laughs) My favorite is the they take the floor tom leg and put a stick in it because they're missing a leg. That's (laughs) a good one. That's a good one. (laughs) Oh, man. So when you're getting backline, you really are the – and I've had had DW kits. I've had Ludwig kits. I've had some great backline kits. I've also had the Pearl Export kit from 1986 that's got everything rusted out on it and one leg's missing off the base. And the original heads. Yeah. They still say Pearl Pearl. on them. (laughs) (laughs) They got a divot this big, but they still say Pearl. The 80s font, and they got the little tray, the Remo tray that has the foam in it. Remember those things? We're just the tray. The phone's gone. <laughs> the phone disintegrated <laughs> a couple of decades ago. The trace still have this nice click. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So backline kits, they can be, it's, it's a mixed bag of hurt. But um, your own kit, your own thing, when you get to use it on gigs. Yeah. Your even, sound. Even when it's just a little club gig. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, 20,000 it people. A, it creates a, a very nice comfort because yeah. it's yours and everything's exactly where you want it. Yeah. You know. And, and you and I take very different <laughs> philosophies about our gig rigs. True, true. Uh, for you, 
What's your philosophy about the drums and cymbals and things that you've picked? Generally, so one of the differences in between our two approaches, I generally play the same setup for everything. Yeah. Um, I'm a Sabian endorser. I'm a trick drum endorser. Mm-hmm. I'm an Aquarian drum head. You get endorser. a shirt for that? I got a nice shirt. Thank you, Timmy Klitzman, for this shirt. Um, <clears throat> but with the... So with the trick drums, because they're aluminum, Mm -hmm. they have a a warmer sound. So Mm -hmm. I tend to, if you'll pop up my small gig rig there. That one? Yeah. So that kit there is my main go-to live rig. Okay. Tell us what that kit is. So that is a trick, all aluminum set of drums. It's an 8x8, 9x10, 12x14, a 16x20, and that is a a 5.5x13 snare Mm -hmm. on that. All aluminum shells, and my live kit has the main miking system in it. Okay, uh, love the ease of use. Flip over, I yep. can see you that. can see the mics. I'm using the uh, Aquarian Response Twos mm-hmm. uh, on the toms and the uh, Focus X on the snare. Yep, texture coated, and I use the uh, Sabian Evolution line. I'm using a so for, with that picture there, you're looking at 13 inch hats, 16 inch crash, uh, eight. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the seven inch splash. Oh, that's and, an odd size. Yeah, it's the Weckl size because gotcha. it's got a seven. Uh, there's a twelve. Uh, it's the twenty inch Evolution ride, and then I'm actually using a second sixteen inch Evolution Crash. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they're very consistent, but there's a slight difference in tonality. Right. Um, so that's my go to rig as far as drum sizes because the the nice thing about the aluminum shells, the toms sound larger. Right. Than they really are. So the eight is more equivalent to a 10, 10 being closer to a 12, 14 is huge. Sure. So, and I like the small drums. I like everything to be very ergonomic. And then, you know, for the studio side, I'll usually add, if you've got the bigger, I'll add the 16 floor, you know, mounted. And then sometimes I'll either have a secondary snare drum or maybe a 12 inch tom on the left. Gotcha. Just to have a little more diamond. Dynamic range, same symbol setup with bigger sizes mm-hmm. and a few more choices. Okay, so <laughs> let's let's talk for a second since we are ge- geeking out about drums. Yeah. First off, what is the sound that you're going for that you get through your trick drums? I a very open, resonant. Um, I don't use any muffling mm-hmm. on the toms. I like them wide open, a nice sustain, um, kind of a la the early Weckl. 80 sound. I yeah. just, I've always liked that tuning and the drums tune up beautifully. Um, on the focus X heads, there is a, you know, underneath ring yep. takes a little, uh, the top bite out of it. And then the bass trump's got a pillow, right. you know, a little, uh, Evans EQ pad or whatever yeah. that's called. Um, but I, I just, it, for general all purpose, I just like that open sound. Cause you know? People use aluminum snare drums all the time. Yes. I mean, we've been using aluminum snare drums just about way as back. far back as Absolutely. you can go into mass-produced drums, uh, I mean, all the way back into the 60s, maybe yeah. even the 50s. Um, so people already have a preconceived notion about what aluminum snare drums sound like. I'll tell you what they are not. Okay, that's my question. So a lot of people associate aluminum with, Sound, or they think, let's say, somebody that doesn't have the experience with the toms, that the a lot of times they'll think they're more like a stainless steel kind of a sound, which mm-hmm. is a much brighter, yeah, 
a little more obnoxious sound. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really the only way to describe it. It's, it's louder. It's very aggressive. And, and you ha- really have to tamper it down. Yeah. Um, with the, the best description I can give the Toms is that with the aluminum, it's like you have the warmth of maple, mm-hmm. but the projection of birch. So it's like a beautiful marriage of the two. Right. So if you want, depending on what heads you're using, if you want more of that jazz tuning, no problem. Right. Their tuning range is pretty infinite is one thing I like about them is that I've never had to, you know, you play a birch kit, you're going to get a sound. You play a maple kit, you're going to get a sound. You play a mahogany kit, you're going to get a sound. Um, For me, and as long as I've been with Trick, which is 20 years now, Mm -hmm. which thank you, Mike Dorfman, um, they've just been a great go-to. Engineers love them. They dial up beautifully. And I, I just like that open, consistent sound. Right. Because most people would think with any kind of metal toms or metal-based drum that there's some kind of metallic Ring or boinginess. Yeah. Well, I had a discussion this week uh, with a guy as I'm working on these inner monitors trying to decide about the the content of the shells that all the components live in. Right. And uh, and there are a lot of different uh, things that I could – put these in i can use acrylic i can use plastic i can use aluminum uh and and one guy was telling me you don't want to use metal because they'll make them sound awful i'm like well no actually and warm it it up quite uh, a bit and it may not at least in my testing like what the these shells are made out of it really does not matter what they're made out of for a few reasons um sonically it doesn't matter right uh because number one there's the metal is so thin that it doesn't really have a resonance. It's not like a, it's not like a piece of steel that you can hit and it goes boom. Um, with the uh, with the armature drivers, they're right at the edge of the the ear mm-hmm. the the earpiece, so they're essentially sitting in your ear with no impedance. You know between the armature, the speaker, and your ear canal. And even with the bass frequencies, like the bass drivers and these things, the bass drive, the bass frequencies are so long that this is not a big enough enclosure for that frequency to even Spread. touch it. Like it's still opening up by the time it gets out of their thing. So, so the while I'm talking about ear monitors, I might as well talk about our sponsor. Right. Absolutely. I didn't mean to do that. Nice segue, Brian. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> but uh, we are sponsored this week by uh, the Session Ace EST ear monitor, actually. Um, it's a, they do sound great. It's a great ear monitor package. I just got a, uh, a text from someone today, a buddy of ours that has been using them, that basically he um, he had to use them. They were a backup pair. He bought them as a backup pair. Mm-hmm. And he had to use them for one reason or another over his very expensive custom-molded Right. and uh, high dollar uh, versions yeah i think he had the other ones were malfunctioning and he'd sent them in for a repair so he had to use these the backups the cheap backups and come to find out like he got all this amazing low end and all of this uh he was very happy with great that. clarity and high end he sent me a text he's like man i just think i'm gonna stay with these nice yeah i'm gonna get the others fixed That's a nice and those are testimony be right there the backup yeah, and and uh, so the the Session Ace ESTs are a great ear monitor for people that really want to hear music the way it's supposed to be heard. And this ties in with what we're talking about. Yeah, it goes into the sound that you're trying yeah. to hear, 
and have in your head when you're playing these shows live. Well, it's a great I mean, thing about in ear monitoring. If 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 the instrument or the tools that you use were not important sonically, then you could use any drum. Yeah. You could put any ear monitor in your ear and point. run with it and you're just fine. But with ear monitors, if you don't have enough low end, enough richness in the low end, you really don't feel connected to mm. the music. If you don't have a nice crisp high end with a lot of detail, you don't really feel like you're hearing yourself well, and you don't feel like you're hearing all that's going on around you and, and getting a nice, nice sound stage in your head for all the things that are happening around you is important. And that's why a lot of people don't end up liking in-ears because they feel like they're in this little box. Right. But with these in particular and some of the what we're talked about in our monitor mix show yeah. – you can get everything you need in your ears and feel the room and yeah. you feel it's like wearing a perfect set of headphones right. hearing that mix spot on the way you everything, want to hear it. You can get everything dialed in exactly like you want to hear it live or in the studio and everything can just be sitting right there so that you can help. It helps you make better music. I think I agree when you hear yourself better, when you hear everyone else better, you can respond better. So when you can relax and just play and hear everything the way you really wanted to always hear it sure man it's a beautiful thing yeah so uh if you go to dialdrummer.net slash est you can uh hit the session ace website and buy it's an entire package that uh, you get the ears you get several different types of cables a lot of different ear tips because everybody's ear is different you get uh some extra adapters and extensions you get some collar clips so you can secure these things and they don't move around on you uh it's just it's a great package a cool uh, little case uh, uh, the case is it's a great size too because you you can put it in your pocket if you have to. Yeah. It, it, you can throw it in any bag. It fits in your stick bag if you like to throw extra things in your stick bag. You can put it in your pocket. You can throw it in a duffel bag. It, and you won't lose it. It's right. just small enough to fit anywhere. It's just big enough that you won't lose it. All right. So let's go back to our drum So the, the idea is, you know, what some how something responds and how it sounds to you has everything to do with how well you're going to play. So uh, you know, we, we've all had the, heard people talk about that adage that, you know, it's not, it's not the gear, it's the player, man. Sure. And, and I, I did have a time, back in 1990, a buddy of mine, uh, James Edwards, shout out to James, um, he was in this Best Guitars in Mississippi contest sponsored by one of the music store chains there. Uh, and he ended up winning the contest. So that night, we ended up going all down to this big heavy metal. This is 1990. It's like right. right in the middle of uh, right in the middle <coughs> of bands. hair metal, right. metal central, dude. And we're all long haired rocker types. And we get down to this I heavy those metal. Days. I know it. We go to this uh, heavy metal bar called the Creek uh, nice. in Jackson, Mississippi. Right. And uh, the judges for this competition were Greg Bissonette, oh. who at the time was playing with David Lee Roth. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a killer band. Yeah, and the bass player from that band, Billy Sheehan, was a judge in that wow. competition. So you had the rhythm section for David Lee Roth judging this best guitarist thing. So and everybody a, was nervous now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and the guitar player was a guy named Andy Timmons. Yeah. Which at the point, at that point, he that was that boy can he was play in a band called Danger Danger. Right. Let's get naughty, naughty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but Andy's a player, man. I'm making He's it a, a point player. to sing at least once on every episode. I like it. <laughs> Not because I can sing well. Change the show to Dial a Singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Brian's uh, looking for a new career path, so if you need a singing guy, he's your man. I'm on pivot. He's good for one song a night. I'm going to start front of Phil Collins' tribute band. That's what I'm going like to do. It. Slick my hair back. It's going to be great. I love it. Um, I love them concert toms. <laughs> So anyway, so I don't even know where I was going with this, but I'll find the thread. You just give me time. Give me time. I'll spin it back around. Anyway, so, uh, so oh, Andy Timmons, he was in this band called Danger Danger, but he's gone on to do some amazing things. Great solo records. He was a musical director for like Olivia Newton-John or something. Right. And, so you're in this club. Anyway, so, so we're hanging with those guys because they were judging the competition. Our buddy wins the competition. Nice. You sort of get to be new. You get three new friends who are famous. You're by, the super locals all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden we're hanging with the real rock stars. Right? Nice. So um, anyway, there was just some nondescript metal cover band playing that night. Mm-hmm. I think the drummer was playing like on a CB 700 drum set and camber cymbals. And Doesn't get more metal than that, baby. I tell you what, man. <laughs> you could have given them cardboard boxes and tin pans. It would have sounded just about the same. Um, and, you know, the, the the bass player had some, you know, off-brand bass and the speaker cabinet had like one speaker blown sure, out of sure. it. It was like crappy gear and a crappy band. But because those three guys were in the house, obviously they're going to have to sit in and play. Right. And and so they sat in for probably 30 minutes and played – of course, they played Shy Boy because Billy and Greg, right. definitely. Right. You, Billy Sheehan sits in. He's going to play Shy Boy. You just, it just makes sense. Because um, <laughs> he can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so – but what was funny to me was, you know, we listened to this really horrible cover band and those three guys get up there and it sounded like a completely different set of gear. Right. Now, did it sound as good as if Billy would have his signature Yamaha bass? Sure, and, but it ties into what you're saying. The player does make a lot of... The player of makes a huge difference. How you but, speak on the instrument. But you saddle a great player when you put them on inferior equipment. Absolutely. And in some cases, the the experience for the player might... He might not play his best. Right. Because... Part of the idea of cherry picking the stuff that's right for you is that you're able to really interact live with an instrument. Right. Uh, that that's what makes playing real acoustic drums so different than electric. We In- could all just buy electronic kits and never have anybody complain about the noise ever again. If That's it true. were that simple. And nowadays you've got turn of the dial. You've got every shell imaginable. Right. It makes life easy. Right. You <laughs> hit the electronic pad and all of a sudden the perfect backbeat comes out. Right. You know, no work, no muss, no fuss. That's right. Well, Unfortunately, that's really not the nature of music. Right. Because if you could build a tuba four with uh, uh, baling wire and nails uh, from Home Depot that could sample great guitar sounds, by that theory, you should be able to make a great guitar with right. those two things a tuba four and some nails and some baling wire. But it's not the case. It, it really, a great instrument allows you, when you learn to harness the power of it, it allows you to be able to coax emotion from sound. And so when you've got a kit that you sit down and you go, this is the sound mm-hmm. that is my sound, right. my cultivated thing. And especially in your case, when you use such a fringe instrument like a trick drum, 
Like that's not you're not going to go down to Guitar Center and see eight different lines of right the trick same thing <laughs> right yeah <laughs> sitting right. there on the floor. It, it's a very that's one of those choices that you make when you've put a lot of thought yeah. into what you're playing. And I'm one of these guys that's always spent a lot of time working on tuning and, yeah. and making sure my stuff sounds really good. Sure. Um, and I just. And I've tried everything. Yeah. I used to endorse a different brand, and they are still a fantastic brand. But for me and my ears and pulling out the sounds of the drums that I really love, this was the go-to for me. I mean, at this point in your life, the wonderful thing about being an adult, truly being an adult, and being especially being a working professional player that's, um, that has a salient career, like you could buy whatever you wanted. Sure, Absolutely. It's not like you, you, those drums are freaking expensive, yeah. even at an artist yeah. price. Yep. But any great set of drums, any high level professional quality kit is a lot of money. Yes. And you're in a position, you can buy whatever you want to buy and you choose those. Yes, I do. That's how much I love them. Mike Dorfman, I would like you to write Brian Stevens LLC on that check for that <laughs> wonderful uh, endorsement of. <laughs> You just got a great advertisement for your drums. They are great drums. And um, and while we're talking about trick, we'll go ahead and 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 drop down, literally drop mm-hmm. down to the floor and talk about the pedals, pedals for a second. Absolutely, because you and I both are great lovers of the trick pedals, yep. hi hat pedals, and the bass drum pedals. And if I would have put a little more thought into this, I would have pulled one of each from downstairs, and we could show it. We'll show some pictures on the recorded version. We'll do a pedal show again, like we did in. Old, Back in the old yeah, days, yeah. yeah. If you search on YouTube for um, Pedal Pusher TV, uh, I think we might have something on there about that or something. Yeah, we did a whole show on pedals yeah. one day. We did snare drums. We did all that stuff. Yeah. Um, angles. So we did snare for drum people angles. that are that are the uninitiated, why don't you tell them about what makes the Trick bass drum pedal so different? Okay. So the Trick bass drum pedal, and you're right, we should have brought one. Um, the biggest thing with the technology of the trick pedals is that the spring technology is totally different than anything else on the market. Right. The ease of use, the adjustability, the also being made out of aluminum. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really no breakable parts on these pedals right. and they are solid. They are as smooth as you could ask for a pedal. Yep. Um, because of the compression spring, the tension is totally different than a normal pedal. Yep. You don't have to work as hard. Yeah. Um, so it allows you to play more freely and easier and, and, and just instead of feeling like the pedal is driving you, right. you can really drive the, your bus, if you will. Yeah. You know? And, and the, the <clears throat> thing that's interesting about the compression spring and that direct drive mechanism, mm-hmm. you know, on the actual link that links the pedal to the beater, um, you get an even pull from the beginning of the stroke to the end. Yes. With with most chain pedals and spring, regular springs, ones on the side there, right. like a DW or a Pearl or a, name anybody else's pedal, um, the last like 20% of the stroke is actually a little faster mm-hmm. than the first 80%. Right. And especially if you do one of those, like DW had the offset cam for the longest time. Right. Like if you get one of those with the offset cam, they're actually designed to give you more velocity toward the end, end of the of stroke. It, right. So you get a little more snag in the, the head. The biggest difference being with a standard pedal, if you will, <clears throat> because pretty much 90% of all brands still use a standard spring, 
you have to push that pedal down and release it for the spring to recoil. Yeah. Whereas with the compression spring on the tricks, the tension is the same forward and back. Yep. So you literally do not have to play as hard and the pedal is instantly quicker, smoother. I don't know about you, but it's like easier on the knees. Yeah. You know, there's less tension on the knees, which is huge. And then the hi-hat takes the same approach and it's just an amazing instrument as well. Well, the first time I played the hi-hat pedal was maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago uh, at the NAMM show out in Anaheim. Mm -hmm. And, it took me all of about 15 seconds of playing on that pedal to realize the difference. Like I had been going through a bunch of knee problems, my right. left knee. Uh, I had uh, some MCL problems with my uh, medial something ligament. Nah, I forgot the middle part of it. But uh, the ligament in my left knee, uh, just the repetitive stress of constantly using my hi-hat and slamming it into the sure. floor on any number of other hi-hat pedals, um, it really kind of it, it wreaked some havoc in my, my knee capsule and, uh, and with the inside ligament. The moment that I stepped on the trick pedal and I started playing it, um, none of that pressure... None of the stuff that I had to deal with uh, in terms of impact Mm -hmm. uh, was there. Nice. Absolutely none of it. And and I can say now, having used them for the better part of two years, um, that my knee pain and the cause of my knee pain, completely gone. That's awesome. Like, That's fantastic. I mean, it, it really was the magic. You had to have it drained at one point, didn't you? Because like it was so every bad. Every three months, I would have to go in and they would That's take horrible. a knee. They they numb you. Up, they numb you up on your knee. I'm gonna show my knee on camera here. So that thing, they, man. Look like, at that. That's so nice. Look at that. <laughs> it's not all blown up like it used right. to be. But like on the inside here, it, when when it would fill up with fluid, yeah, it actually kind of have a little. So it made, it, made it hard to play. It made it hard to do anything. Yeah. Like walking stairs, forget about it. You know, and, and I had to pay my kid to carry me up the stairs. Um, but they would literally, they have to numb it all up. And then they take needles and they go into the bursa and they actually drain all the, it's gross, dude. Like right. one time I think they pulled a whole tumbler full <laughs> wow. of fluid out of my knee. And and my do- my doctor, shout out to my doctor, man. Uh, I've got one of the the, the best guys. And I'm not going to tell you who he is because then you'll go to him and then I'll never <laughs> then get an appointment. Steal him, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Emory Sports Medicine people, um, they, they do a great job. Um, working with football players, working with baseball players, working with musicians. That's mm-hmm. kind of a new thing in their sports medicine um, arm of Emory is to work with musicians that have repetitive stress injuries. Yes. And so um, and so this was an injury, like from the second that my doctor saw my MRI and saw my knee, his first question was, what is it that you do for a living? And when I explained it to him, he went, oh, well, that totally makes sense. Here's the problem that you're having. Uh, at the time, I was playing barefoot. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's like, "You're gonna have to get some good shoes. You're gonna have to get shoes that give you some arch support, that have uh, a little bit of shock absorption." Um, Interesting. So but, it made that big of a difference in the knee. Yeah, by playing barefoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all of that force when I'm, you know, cause I, I use my, I use my constant tension. Sure. Hi, I use my hi hat foot a lot where I'm playing eighth notes or sixteenth sure. notes and, and it's if, you, an act, if you're, you're a heel up player so yeah. the tension's constantly yep. there too constantly there uh for the longest time with playing swing i would play swing heel up and i still do if i need a real 
sure. real loud chick, but now kind of use more of a rocking motion. So there's a little bit less of that, uh, that impact, but all of that really like that whole consideration went away when I got that hi-hat pedal, because something about the way that the footboard is made, the, uh, the design of that, the adjustability thing, mm-hmm. uh, that pulls the rod down. Like I, it's, it's voodoo the way this <laughs> thing works. It's pretty amazing. Well, the, but, the coolest things I'm going to interrupt you uh, with the adjustments yeah. is you don't have to be under either trying to pull a right. spring or loosen a nut. You can do it as you're playing yeah. in a song and not just grab the dial and yeah, turn it. it. Yeah. It just clicks into place in different places. It's cool. It's design genius. Yeah. And and something about the way that the the pitch of everything, the angle of everything, where the energy gets transferred, you're not trans you're not transferring into the floor and right back up into your leg. There's it, it I'm I'm telling you, it yeah, you know, I'm gonna go see my my doctor in probably about another month for something completely unrelated. Uh, it's called age <laughs> and arthritis. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> get they, some of that yeah, here. They, they scoped my <clears throat> knee about a year ago. Um, uh, yeah, about a year ago, I had had my knee scoped. And uh, some of the first first onset Sounds. of arthritis was in there. So, yeah, I'm going to go back and see about that. Yeah, I've developed but some here in the thumb. Yeah. Maybe having to switch from playing traditional all these years because – Boy, there's some times where that yeah. boy gets aggravated. Definitely, definitely. Side so, show. That'll yeah. be another show. Injuries on <laughs> yeah, the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but but really that that hi hat pedal, I guess that's my my gleaming endorsement for the hi hat pedal is not only is it the smoothest hi hat pedal you'll ever play on, uh, it's super light the way that the legs fold mm-hmm. up. You just turn two dials, legs are up, one more little cranky dial thing, and then the, the footboard, footboard comes, comes up. up. It packs up really good, super light. Same way with the pedals. Yeah. As as uh, robust as those pedals look, you'd think that they were super, super heavy. Yeah, they're really not. And there's some out there that are. Yeah. You know, some of the brands, Iron Cobras and some of these others that are just like, you know, you got to hire somebody else to help you carry it. Right. And uh, these are super light but super sturdy. The thing that uh, really sold me on the Trick Bass Drum pedals is – uh, besides the feel and the, the quality of the craftsmanship, is that uh, you let me borrow one of your pedals that was pretty old mm-hmm. when I borrowed yep. it. And it early, had n- early ones. no noise in the pedal after it had been played for so long. I played it for at least another year yep. in the studio, and again, zero noise. And one of the worst things in the world, I get it a lot of times when drummers come into my studio to work, is that they'll bring their favorite pedal and it's some rickety DW from the the 80s. squeaky wheel syndrome. Dude, like everything (laughs) squeaks on it. Hinges are rattling and and all kinds of crazy things are going on. Is anybody commenting at all? No. They're just listening to us talk. They're fascinated by this geeky talk. It's riveting. Uh, (laughs) But – the thing, the thing that I that I usually find with other people's pedals is there's any number of different noises emitting from these pedals, sure. and most guys they don't really do a lot of maintenance. Sure. They might change a spring, they might put some uh, silicone, like that sprayable silicone, into a few of the ball bearing joints or something. But biggest mostly, thing that surprises me too with a lot of these pedals is people don't take talking about maintenance. They yeah. don't take the time to tighten those set screws that hold no. the camps. And even that a little play there could create noise. Yeah, it's, when uh, you're be- on the engineer on the gig, yeah. and you're like, dude, you put fourteen. I can to hear every mics. little movement. Yeah, fourteen <laughs> to sixteen mics on a, on on a kit, 
if there's any kind of noise, you're going to hear it. <laughs> you're going to hear it. Even with a, a bunch of guitars and stuff going on, you're going to always hear that. <laughs> creaking, creaking. And it's going to be in time, which makes it even more annoying. It's like... <laughs> The Brian singing show. <laughs> so I'm gonna sample, right. sample that, and they're gonna make it pretty good though. I like track that. out of it. Jeez, uh, I, I, I clown for your amusement, you know. Um, anyway, but, the, so. but we do encourage people to go out and try out the trick pedals. They are amazing, um, just pieces of gear that are designed with professional playing in mind yeah. to make your life easier. If you're not a professional player, you spend so much time on top of those pedals that you 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 want it to be. You want <clears throat> to have a seamless experience between the tools that you use and the music that you make. And and the other thing I would add to the trick products is that, especially with the pedals, mm-hmm. sometimes people are like, oh, they're so expensive. Well, they're no more expensive than any other products, but I guarantee you, you will not buy it again. Right. In the sense that there are a lot of other brands out there. Parts are going to break. Yeah. You're going to be replacing this. Pedal boards snap all the time. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. I Buy mean, some good pedals to start and you won't think twice. I I bought my first DW um, double pedal back in like 88 or 89. You know, I took my Christmas money and I worked all summer. Sure. And like I spent a lot of money for a high school kid to, to spend that much money on a pedal. It's kind of. It's impressive. Yeah. Uh, and I had that pedal. I mean, clear through till, gee whiz, 99, 2000 maybe. Right on. I mean, I didn't, you know, eventually I took it out of commission as far as gigs and sure, stuff. Sure, but you got some good, yeah. good life out of that sucker. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, by the time I, I finally decommissioned it, like, you know, there were things that were bent and broken. And, sure. uh, and I think about how much I paid for that and how long I used it. And if I were to amortize that cost along with all the replacement parts over that time it it wouldn't have been more expensive for me to get a trick pedal and i'd probably still be playing the trick pedal when you think about that cost bass drum pedals and hi-hat pedals are two of the things that we buy that we tend to use until the wheels fall off that's true that's true you don't think about replacing it until you have to Right, right. <laughs> Cymbals or snare drums and even full drum kits. We sort of change, we'll change those out on a whim sometimes. There's a new trend in the industry. There's a new sound that we don't feel like we're getting. Um, it's we'll, a new dampening product, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Somebody makes a, a, a really, really inexpensive Mexican kit that you can get for a third the price. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. That sounds great. You buy a new kit, right. you know, even if it's even if it's just to have some fun, kind of like the moped of drum drum kits. Um, but uh, pedals, we do. We tend to play those things till literally till the screws fall out of them. Uh, so if you're going to spend the money and play it for that much time, really, you're not spending that much more money. When you amortize that across the decade or two that you may keep that pedal. So it's not really that much more expensive. Kind of, kind or if you buy five of these cheap Gibraltar pedals in the span of time, you buy one really good pro-level pedal. Right. Well, it's kind of like you mentioned, your doctor told you to get good shoes yeah. for the support. Well, if you think about your pedals being your feet, why do you want to go buy crappy shoes right. and wonder why your knees, your back, everything hurts? Right. 
start with pro gear yeah. and you're good to go. Well, and that was his second question was, tell me about the equipment that you're playing on. And especially with my practice kits, I, um, I had cheaper hi-hat stands sure. on my practice kits. It's like, why am I going to spend whatever a, stands? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whatever stand I already had or whatever was on sale at guitar center. That was the hi-hat stand on either one of my practice kits at the time. And, uh, yeah. And his thing was, um, you spend the majority of your time playing. If you, if you, the elapsed time, if you're practicing four or five days a week, you're spending the majority of that time uh, that you're playing on these really cheap pedals. Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't that be as important as what you take to the gig or to the session? Because you're spending as much, if not more, time on them. Why not invest in those and have a really high quality thing that helps you avoid these repetitive stress injuries? Mm-hmm. So very perceptive, doctor. Thanks, Doctor Webb. Appreciate you, bud. Well, that's a um, great testimony too to the, especially to the hi hat stand to know that it made yeah. such a difference. Oh, it and was, it's probably sustained your drumming life in a oh, sense yeah. that you don't have to go to the doctor all oh, the time. Oh yeah, so I mean, I, I, I honestly at the time I was <clears> thinking I don't know that I'll be playing live gigs much longer because right there were a few four hour gigs that I would have, oh, especially the week or two before I got a, dra- a good draining done, you know, good blood letting done. It's very medieval. Oh, and the you got to load do. out afterwards. And, oh. Like I remember, I was playing playing a bar gig. It was a four hour bar gig, and three of those hours were solid. Like oh. from the, the, the downbeat of one song to the last note of the last song was three hours. Um, that last hour, I did not think I could get through it. I mean, that's how bad the pain was. I, it took me out of the moment completely, and so focused in on my pain, I don't even know what songs we played. You know, luckily I didn't lose the game. You're just trying to get through and please get me home. (laughs) Um, So they, they've made a huge difference. None of those problems. None of those problems. If anything, if, if I have any joint problems at this point, it is age. Sure. It's just age and time at this point. We've been doing this a long time too. You know, it does. There is a lot of wear and tear with that whole drumming. We're so old, (laughs) man. We're so old. We're ready for retirement. No. <laughs> Not there yet, buddy. Not even close. <laughs> I'm going to go start going backwards. So show me one of your kits, all brother. Right. So, what is your, all since right. my philosophy is more of the the a, same kit for everything. I have a totally different philosophy. What you got? And my philosophy really is I want the right tool in my toolbox for the right job. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to especially when times were lean, really lean. Uh, I would try and make one kit do everything mm-hmm. and to, to marginal success. I mean, the first pro-level kit I bought for myself, I bought in 1998, uh, and it was a Ludwig Maple Classic. I still have it. Um, and it was, at the time, the kit that I could afford sure. that was at a pro-level, and it was the kit that seemed to be able to do the most things so i could take it and play a rock gig or a pop gig i could either change the heads or just tune the heads up really high i could so play a nice jazz versatility gig. yeah it was it was pretty versatile um but it did cap out in different places it capped out in terms of volume level you know some of the super high level gigs where i needed more volume on stage not just sure, the, at sure. the mics just the but sonic volume. just yeah just to take up enough uh, sonic space on the stage, mm-hmm. it would cap out sometimes. 
um, for certain kinds of quiet gigs. It didn't have the um, it didn't have the level of touchable detail that I could get in a really really low space. Uh, even if you tuned it up, it just wasn't quite as responsive. Um, you know, they weren't power toms, but they weren't the shallow standard, standard size. Right. Uh, kind of an in betweener. And uh, yeah, if you had to play really really soft. Certain kinds of jazz gigs, some kinds of club gigs, like dinner set gigs. Right. Um, I couldn't always get the the responsiveness I wanted out of it. So, uh, and then some kinds of sessions, especially the early two thousands when I really started doing a lot of recording sessions. Um, one kit wouldn't do everything. If somebody needed a bottom sound, I couldn't get it out of that kick drum. Sure, uh, it was a good middle of the road kick drum, but yeah, you know, for the, the so edges. do you tend to use a different setup based on what the gig is then. It has everything to do with the style of music, the type of gig that it is, whether it's live or in the studio, um, the the volume I need to play at, the dynamic range that I need to play with. Because some gigs, uh, even though we like to think we have a lot of dynamic range, we really don't. Sure. You know, with some of your pop gigs now and rock gigs um it's hit them as hard as you can hit them for as long as you can hit them and that's the dynamic right. it's two hour show Here we go. dynamics man i'm hitting them as loud as right. i can uh that that sort of thing you're you're hitting you know just so hard but again you need a drum set that's not gonna that's not, you're not gonna over modulate right so i do i change drum sets almost daily so what that's what the the problem with that is that requires that I have a lot of different choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I've what I really did, thanks to you, I sort of found a family mm-hmm. of drums that I I went these as uh, what big speaks picture, to you. Yeah, uh, big picture. When I think of the recordings I love the most, the drummers are some of my favorites. Um, uh, some of the live gigs and concerts I've been to, that uh, the the sound of the drums were the sounds I was going for, and and to sitting in front of these different kids, um, I did find, and I, I'm not an endorser yet of this company, but in, in the Gretsch family, I could find something through the complete line of drums that would do something for everything. Now, not no one kit will do everything, but across the entire line, I can find something that works for, that works for any situation. So, uh, you're talking about a classic American brand that has got, you know, that classic Gretsch sound, if you will, you know, there's, whether you're talking about like classic rock sounds, like, I mean, the Rolling Stones, if you're listening to the Rolling Stones, you're listening to Gretsch drums. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to some harder rock players, even players that were known for being Ludwig guys, or you're probably listening to Gretsch drums. Some of your favorite session guys. Vinnie Coliuta is my favorite drummer of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for years, he was with Yamaha, and you'd see him play live, and he'd be playing Yamaha drums. I even have one of his Yamaha signature snare drums. Right. But... On all the recordings that you would hear, the things that were for posterity, the majority, I, I, I would say 99% of the drums, but you know, maybe there's that one odd recording, this isn't the case, but they were the same Gretsch drums. Right. And once I found that out, that my favorite guy 
actually was a Gretsch guy. That kind of sold God, me on sure. it. You know, that, I mean, it kind of pushed you over the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Charlie Watts, uh, uh, Elvin Jones. I mean, all these amazing players throughout the pantheon of contemporary sure. music uh, have played them. But uh, especially when I found out my guy was using Gretsch drums on the sly, I was like, okay, well, maybe right. I know what I need to choose. <laughs> and, and I bought, I, I'll admit, I got in on the cheap end. Uh, 2005, I needed a new road kit. My Ludwigs that I had that I loved, I knew that I was going to be out on the road every single week in vans and RVs traveling with a band to college towns sure. and to clubs. I'm like, I'm not going to beat up my really good ones. So I went. I went down to Atlanta Pro Percussion, and this was when Kent Aberly was working there. And from him, I bought a set of Gretsch Catalina Birch drums. I, know. I think I paid six fifty for the whole kit, um, just the drums, not right, the yeah. hardware. And it's that pretty Caribbean blue uh, or whatever they call it. Beautiful. That was a beautiful. He still thing. has this kit and you still yeah. have this in your practice. Yeah, it's my practice space. It's the rock kit that I practice on. Right. And, um, and so that was my first foray and I rode the crap out of those things. And sound guys made a comment about how great those drums sounded. Now it helped that I kept fresh heads on there and then I tuned them sure. and I thought about the sound. You did your maintenance. Yeah, I did my maintenance, but I picked a great sound of drums and, and for under a thousand bucks, it really was the best set of drums I could find. Sure. I went through everything in that store and that was the one that was in that sub thousand dollar price range. I was like, I wouldn't mind beating these up and they sound good. Right. And, and yeah, you know, I used them for the better part of maybe eight years. And to have gotten a nice lacquered kit in yeah. that price range. That, in that was price range. That was sick. Unheard crazy. of back then. So, uh, as, as, especially as I turned more to being more of a studio professional and doing more freelancing as opposed to being in a band, mm -hmm. uh, and having all kinds of different, uh, Th different places I needed to play, in different environments, and different music, and different people, and different rooms. I started to kind of reach out and look at the rest of the brand. So and I'll show a few pictures at this yeah, point. Uh, people have seen the the picture of my of uh, my live room, and and I would say sixty five percent of the time I'm playing this Gretsch USA custom kit that you see in in that picture right there. It's so a pretty standard setup, 10, 12, 14, yeah. 16. Yeah, and, and uh, it, yeah, Snare it's, of the day, if it you will. literally is like the sizes that are just out of the catalog. Mm -hmm. Now, for this picture, we put uh, we put a pork pie snare drum in there that uh, that uh, I found up at Forks uh, during one of my trips to Nashville. And Bill honestly, makes some nice stuff. oh, yeah, yeah, it's a great snare drum. It ended up in that picture because it was bright and shiny and it just it, it popped against. The rest of the kit. Those are, those are great photos, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Canon T6i, man. I took Love, them myself, right? believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, th that was the whole reason we actually used the pork pie snare drum, because it kind of popped in the picture. Sure, sure. Uh, otherwise, I would have put a, a great contrast. snare drum there. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'll put some pictures up in the in the recorded feed, but I think people have seen my wall of snare drums. Uh, of 68 snare drums, I think I currently own now, 44 of them are Gretsch snare drums. And um, so... As far as snare drums go, it pretty much runs the gamut. I've got uh, several different chrome over brass options. Um, I've got steel, hammered steel, uh, aluminum. The their their um, USA Custom, I guess it, it is um, 
high-end aluminum, right. seamless aluminum shells. Probably one of my favorite snare drums to record with. It's just an incredibly versatile snare drum. Hard to beat that aluminum. Hard I'm just saying, brother. I'm just saying. I'm a big proponent of the <laughs> aluminum drums. <laughs> it's a great sounding drum. And anybody that wants to come check them out can come to my studio anytime and check them out. There is your invitation right there. I'm inviting Anytime. all and any. <laughs> you could go right to Shannon's studio and play. And then it. conversely, if you want to check out anything Gretsch, come to your... Th- yeah, you might have to pay me, but yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> he only does cartage fees. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, uh, so the USA Customs, uh, that particular USA Custom kit, Stays mostly in the studio. It's pretty much your go-to studio. Yeah, yeah, 65% of the time because it is pretty versatile. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, sometimes I pull the 10 down and just have the 12 sitting there. Usually if I change that configuration, it's a style thing. Sure. Like some, there are times when I'm playing on a session and I need 12, 16, not because, and I don't pull the 10 and 14 out sonically, I don't need them. Uh, it's that the placement of those drums with that tuning, it puts me in a different headspace. Sure. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of like a method actor. In so that then, way. conversely, since you change your setup based on the gig, mm-hmm. it kind of I would assume it would change kind of how you play and feel on that gig. Very much so, because you know, versus what I'm doing, where it's basically the same setup all the time. Yeah, your vocabulary, your movement is. Well, you have a strong identifiable identity musically. Thank you. And I'm the chameleon that you have no idea who that is. <laughs> well, I appreciate your kind <laughs> words, buddy. Yeah, well, and that's so much of it for me is like, I just, I, as much as I want to be noticed on the show and I talk probably 70% more than he does, <laughs> uh, musically when I'm playing, it is so not about me. It's about the music, sure, it's absolutely. about the other players. And so sonically, yeah, I want something that doesn't necessarily stand out. It, it stands out in the fact that it sounds great. But it doesn't stand out as, oh, well, that's Brian Stevens playing on that. Definitely. I, I recognize that sound. Right. Um, no, that's not really my bag. My bag is what's the right thing. Like you said, uh, the right tool in the toolbox. Right, that's right. a well, nice analogy. Well, for, for instance, one of the other kits that I play, I took this picture just the other day. I had a gig two weekends ago. And I took out this um, Steve Ferrone signature USA custom kit that I've got. Uh, right now, th- this particular configuration that you don't see the other floor, Tom, but it's a 24 by 14 inch kick drum. And that kick drum alone is worth the price of admission. That thing sounds amazing. It is. It is, it is one of the best sounding 24s I've ever heard. And, and, and you would think that it was this silly, crazy, bonhomy kind of thing. And it can do that if you need it. But it's just a really great all-around versatile kick drum that's... um, I I used to think that 24-inch kick drums were just meant for hitting really hard. Right. Like, just, you know, just waylay them, just get into them. But the thing about these 24-inch kick drums, this one in particular I found with that 14-inch depth, is they're incredibly responsive. Mm-hmm. So I can play very musically on the bass drum, and everything just doesn't have to be loud. The other nice thing about a 24, too, is that you actually hit the drum in the middle yeah, with the beater versus yeah. you know a 20 or a 22. It's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that standard 20, 14 by 24 is just a, a magic sound. And I actually use a, a, a 
a beater that has an extended shaft on it so that it's actually high, the beater's higher in the higher. air. So it really does get to that, that ideal point of impact. And uh, with a drum like that, you can bury the beater and it has a, a pretty cool sound. But most of the time I'm playing off of the drum so you really get the full But it's a very versatile size. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we played, you know, like this particular gig, we played, you know, George Benson's This Masquerade. And you, you would think with a, that kind of kick drum, that's the rock and roll kick drum. Right. Nah, not so much. Yeah. So you just you just get a nice little right, right. You know, you, and, and the but, warmth is huge. Yeah, it's huge. And and to the point of at one point, the bass player for this gig, Tommy Vickery, turned and goes, he starts pointing that kick drum. He's like, "That's the most amazing kick drum ever." Nice. And uh, so yeah, when, when you get that kind of response from another player, like they. They freak out over how good something sounds. You know you made the right choice for the gig. And it's it's filling – for me, it's about how I fill the space up. Mm-hmm. You know, some drum sets are good behind the mics. And don't translate, sure. Right. Like, they don't necessarily translate in the space as well as you would like. Uh, Yamaha drums. And so Yamaha will never give me an endorsement, and neither would I take one. But in Yamaha drums – the one problem I have with them is the mics love Yamaha drums. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love them. Recording custom kit is one of the best sounding recording kits you'll ever play. It is a subpar experience to sit behind them for me. Interesting. Because I, I, I just, I feel like there's not much there. There's not a whole lot of life and a lot of tone. Is that more so because they're birch or just, it, they just don't speak to you and that I'm level? I'm not smart enough to answer that question, sir. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. I just know that it's when just I something about them doesn't yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The, the mic, you know, I'll hear, there are some studios I go to that have a house kit and you just play the house kit. It's a recording custom kit. I'll sit down. I might tweak a little bit. Most of the time, I just play it like they, like it's sitting on the floor and I have to go into the control room before I know that I'm getting a good sound. Interesting. Like I'm playing them and I'm like, yeah, I think, I think they're doing what they're supposed to do. And once I do a take, I'll walk in the control room and I go, oh, okay, yeah, sounds amazing. Awesome. Great. Here we go. I just, I, sitting behind the drums, I can't. You just don't connect. They just and don't. And that's a big do. part of it is the connection you have yeah. with the instrument. Well, and there's some drums that, especially when you need a rock sound, Mm -hmm. there's some drums that when you hit them, they sound small, Mm -hmm. no matter how you hit them. But you go like 20 feet out in front, and it's the most amazing hugeness that you've ever experienced. But it's, for some reason, the way those drums respond in the space, you don't hear it there. It needs time to open up to get out. And conversely, there's some drums out there, too, that you really have to work really hard to get the sound out, even from behind the kit, much less... Right, you know, projected. Right, right. Yeah, let's let's not even get into the discussion of kits that sound great at your seat, right? But out in the house, you could be hitting this table, playing that <laughs> percussion plus kit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the th- the thing about any of these great kits, so uh, the Steve Rohn has become at least for contemporary kind of stuff. That's become my favorite live kit, man. I mean, I could take like I've got a set of Brooklyn's love these Brooklyn's. Mm-hmm. They're a different sound. Right. Kick drum's an 18-inch kick drum, so it's got a different response live. But overall, that kit has a, a melodious quality to it that the USA Custom stuff really doesn't... It doesn't do the same thing. 
Um, there are a whole host of reasons why. Let's just leave it at sure, that. Sure, sure. It it's a different But you animal. like the sonic changes based on what the sonic yeah. gig is. Right, sure. right. I've got a couple of different new classic kits. I've got one new classic kit that's a 20-inch kick drum, probably my favorite 20-inch kick drum ever. Uh, and then I've got the full complement of toms, eight all the way down to 16. And it's my kit when I need that uh, kit that will handle the whole t- uh, tonal range. Sure. You know, somebody puts me on uh, a gig where I got to pretend to be Hal Blaine, and that's a good start for me because at least tonally I can get a- across the divide. Um, the and and with that kit in particular, uh, now I've sort of added on to it. When I that was the first kit, I've bought at least two kits from Kent Aberley. Now that I think about it, right? Um, uh, I bought my first new classic kit from uh, the ATL Collective. Yep. I mean, it was the first kit that they sold. I bought it when the store hadn't even opened yet. Right. They were still having. That was everything. like the first batch of stuff you yeah, had. In yeah, it. yeah. It was up in that upper room where you kind of had to be ushered in, right. like a like they had to. They <laughs> had a guy a maitre d with <laughs> they had a maitre d with a towel that walked you in. Uh, had a bow tie yeah. and only uh, one admittance <laughs> at one time. <laughs> Sir, here's the door. That kind of thing, you know. So I bought that kit, and at the time it was twenty. 10, 12, 14. Okay, nice. Great studio kit. I, I ended up when I when I swapped from using the Ludwigs as my main recording kit, that kit became my main recording kit. Same sure. sizes, uh, slightly different sound, uh, a sound I liked even more. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, then I eventually found, um, I found the, I got to think about this a second. Then you get the bop kit next? No, no, I, I added more pieces to it. Uh, oh, okay. The 16? Get this. You found the 16? Get this. This is great. We're totally nerd now. People have so <laughs> checked out of this. They're like they're if, talking about themselves. If you're still listening to and or watching this, I love you intently because you are as big a geek as we are. So uh, so get this. So uh, I bought oh, I know I know exactly what happened. I bought the eight and the sixteen inch toms. From a guy in L.A. I I want to tell you who it is because I'd love to name drop this, but I know that he actually endorses another company. Right, don't do it. Uh, Let's just say he's a drummer that has been in movies Mm -hmm. and been on tons of records and has – you might have seen him on tour behind an artist that you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he endorses a different company, but he happened to be selling some things off, and he had parted out this Gretsch kit. Gotcha. Because this new classic kit has a very particular kind of finish. Mm-hmm. They only made this particular... Um, it's like two finishes at the time. The, the, yeah, at the yeah, time, was, yeah. The, there um, was an early version and a later version of this vintage glass or whatever they call it. And this was the early version. There weren't a whole lot of kits that are in the wild that are this particular one. It had a, had a different sheen, like the second run yeah, or something. Yeah, totally. I think I like the sheen better, but I think the general populace probably likes the newer the, the, gotcha. the newer one better. I, I, like, like, I like the ones you have. They're pretty. Yeah. So I bought the 8 and the 16 from this guy in L.A., who gave me a great deal on them? They were they'd only been in the studio. Yeah, they're mint. And, yeah, they were mint, dude. And uh, and so I ended up with the full complement of the toms. Uh, ended up getting so it came with the snare drum. Came with a five and a half by fourteen snare, which at the time I didn't have a five and a half by fourteen snare, so it was a great thing. But then I ended up so I bought um, I 
people, if you can track this, you're going to love this. So I ended up loving the new classics so much that I came across a guy in like Montgomery who flips drums. Okay. If you buy stuff on eBay and Reverb, you probably know what I'm talking about. He had a set of these brand new in the box, um, Gretsch new classics in the newer vintage glass finish that he had bought for himself and he thought he was going to marry it with his other kid, which was the old finish. Gotcha. So it didn't he, quite work. It didn't quite work. So he basically lost a, a, a good bit of money on this kit to sell them to me. So I would have a bop size. So it's 18, um, 12, 14. A total bop thing. I mean, like spot on right, like right. that sound. Uh, and that's what I take out for most of my bop gigs. If you look on my Facebook profile right now, the, the big picture at the top, sure. that's that kit. Um, but he also, because he had he subsequently had to buy more drums to match his. He was buying drums from a guy up in New York who had been on tour with Alicia Keys. And so he ended up buying this entire kit, touring kit, from this guy who did a summer with Alicia Keys. And um, so he kept all the drums except for the snare drum. So I ended up getting a 4 by 14 which they don't really make nice. in these new classics, that was custom-made for this guy who p- used to play with Alicia Keys. And it's a cool sound. It's an air drum, dude. Like, as far as 4 by 14s go... It's a it's, nice one. It's, it's, uh, it's meaty. It's responsive. It's still, because of the way they make the drum, it's still got a lot of heft to right, it. Sure. It's a cool drum. And there's probably only like three of them that exist. Um, so the new classics. Um, it's one of those... Because of the shell construction, it's more like a straight kind of maple thing, from what I understand. It's a little more of your middle-of-the-road maple kit sound. Like okay. USA Customs have a very identifiable sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, that particular shell combination um, with the maple gum and maple or right. whatever, I'm not I'm not so geeky. I know exactly what that means. But I do know that it's different. Well, with the new classics, it's more like just a regular straight maple thing. And so it's that sound that if you're wanting a great sound of maple kit that does a whole lot of things, that's a Gretsch kit, it's that one. Right. Plus, it's freaking high end with the hardware and the and nitron lugs, finish. Yeah, it's a beautiful kit. It's amazing kit. <clears throat> amazing kit. Um, I got a couple of the... Um, uh, Renown kits. I got the Renown 57s just because at the time they were super cool. And one is the 10, 12, 14 with the, the 22 inch kick. I use it a lot on rock and roll oldies gigs. So if I go and do like a platters, drifters, coasters gig, I'm taking that one because right. it looks like a 57 Chevy. Right. Why not? It's very cool. It's a cool looking kit. And again, it's, it's a great sounding maple-ish kit. Um, and, and again, everybody, every time I've ever played sound men love it. Everybody, that's on stage loves it. And then I also picked up one of their bop kits because I just got a stinking good deal. Guitar, you have more gu- pieces that match. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, right. Guitar Center had it and it had been sitting on like the top shelf since they got it. And number one, nobody wanted that look. And two, nobody knows how to play bop. So they didn't <laughs> buy that kit. And I got a great deal on it. And nice. um, and it's it mainly sits in my practice room. It's my jazz kit in my practice space, my teaching space. But uh, occasionally I'll take it out. If, if it's a black tie thing, I think this will actually That's look better. That's a good better. look for a black. Yeah. It's so cool, man. It's so cool. Uh, and uh, there, there's some other, other kits that are in my, my sort. Again, everything is about um, the right sound for the right approach. So I've got a set of the Gretsch round badges from the fifties. You were so um, generous 
to sell me a kit that you found at a stinking really good deal. Stupid. A Ludwig WFL kit from the 50s because I needed that vintage Gretsch sound. That's one, one of the things I've learned as we're getting geeky about drums. You can't really make a brand new set of drums sound like a vintage kit. No. It just doesn't happen. No. You can't take a brand new Tama kit and make it sound like a round badge Gretsch kit or a vintage Ludwig kit. Right. You can damp some things. You can do some stuff to to change the sound. But there's no sound in the world like a vintage kit. And so with all the different sessions that I do and some areas I'm pivoting into with um, with my recording life, mm-hmm. um, I needed some vintage sounds. So between the round badges and that WFL kit, I've got it covered. Got a nice gamut of stuff. Oh, and and they're totally different animals. Same sizes on everything. Right. Totally different animals. Uh, and, you know, if we were going to waste another three hours online, we'd probably talk about why. But uh, one of the Catalina Street kits I've got, and it's – I use it on some bop gigs. I've used it. But it's really like my lo-fi funky sure, hip-hop thing. it's cool. It's it, – and, you know, it's not it, – that's definitely – of all the kits I've got, that's the moped. So that's very cool that you – really the tools in the toolbox aspect where you yeah. – change it based on what's going on. You think if if you go to Home Depot and you're going to go get a socket set, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get a socket set that has how many attachments? As many as you can afford. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're going to, you're going to spend, you're going to spend $50 instead of a hundred dollars. So you're going to go spend 50 bucks and you're going to go try and fix that thing that needs fixing on your car. The one time that you actually go try and fix your car. And, you're going to go, dang it, I don't have the right one. I right. spent 50 bucks on this thing. So What? When you needed to spend 100 bucks and get all the full compliment. That's kind of the idea. So what's interesting is, in a lot of ways, we have the same approach. We mm-hmm. just use different gear. So with the trick stuff, because it is so consistent and they only do one thing, right? whether I swap out a bass drum size, because I've got all the sizes, yep. 18s, 20s, 22s. Well, we didn't, we didn't mention that. But you pretty much have every size I, they make. Yeah, multiple times over. Yeah. <laughs> but because I have found, for me, the kit that I can do all these things that you describe mm-hmm. with one vehicle, right. it's interesting. We, we actually both kind of describe to the same thing. We just, the approach is slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Plus, it's fun to see all kinds of... It's. It, I have a little bit of ADD, just a little bit, when it comes to gear that I play on. It's kind of nice to pull up and get to play a different looking set of sure. drums. I, I do think that each of those kids... <laughs> that, that's... <laughs> That's one area where we we change too. Yeah, all my drums are yellow. Yes, they match the shirt. (laughs) I was gonna say this is all about my yellow today, baby. Yes, this is my favorite color. I was a huge Tony Williams fan. Yeah, just trying to Tony Williams yellow promote some sunshine happiness, baby. That's the one thing about Vinny. I don't think that I ever really got into. Like his, his, he had some yellow ass scratches. He did. (laughs) He did. But in in a way, because I've played. Yeah. This color for so long, it's kind of become a business card as well. It's part of your branding and your identity. Yeah, sure. I get it. I totally get it. Just having some fun with it, man. Yeah. Symbol-wise, I have to talk about, because I do have an endorsement oh, deal with these guys. Uh, symbol-wise, I have been with Peisty officially since 1997. Nice. Um, I have been using Peisty symbols since 1989. I was a junior in high school. And I had a set of Zildjian New Beats, 14-inch, 
because that's what my parents bought me for Christmas. Nice. And and they sounded great. Right. They sounded great. But I happened to be in Marson Brothers Music in Jackson, Mississippi on a day trip, probably with my youth group or something, right? And because uh, I had my drums with me. Yeah. Youth group trip, definitely. Um, had my <laughs> drums with me. They're out in the van, you know. And so we go into Marshall Brothers, and they had a set of Peisty 2002 hi-hats. And in 1989, man, that was the sound. Dude, were they the sound edge? No, they oh. weren't, though. That's the only thing. They weren't the sound edge. That's okay. Still amazing Still, sounding cymbals. 2002's a very versatile set of hi-hats. But for whatever reason, maybe because I was 17 and I was bored and I have a little bit of ADD, um, <laughs> I thought I like these better than my new beats. And, well, and two, talking about the identity thing, I had three different drummer friends that all had new beats. Right. I want to be a little bit yeah, different. I want your sound. Sure. I wanted something that was a little more me, something that was a little more friends, something that was a little more... And Alex Van Halen played them. At the time, I think he was a 2002 hi-hat guy. And, and that red lettering was badass. Oh, man. <laughs> it was like the deal, dude. We, we would be remiss if we don't shout out to Mr. Tim Shahady, oh, who Tim was a Shahady. mutual friend and yes. long-time Super, Heisty super supporter of, of, of me and the things that I do. And before, before uh, I really got to know Tim Moore, uh, Andrew Shreve, who's with – Gretch now, right? And uh, that just kind of reminds me. Yeah. Let's see, Peisty and Andy and Gretch, and I need to talk with Andy to see about something. <laughs> I think we have a conversation we need to have. Oh, uh, anyway, so uh, he, so he Andrew did say sixty-eight snare drums. <laughs> yeah, 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 and twelve drum sets. <laughs> yeah, of varying sizes and. Right. Uh, shapes anyway uh I'm probably if i were to endorse them officially i guarantee you i will be the only endorser that has something in every tier of their line of right. their line offerings i guarantee you, you, you're, you're like me you have as much gear as the factory does yeah there you go <laughs> my house looks like a music store uh but i have great security and i have two really not so nice dogs i thought you were gonna say dobermans <laughs> They sound like it. They do. <laughs> but, uh, but so Pisces, yeah. So uh, so that was my first foray into Pisces. Obviously, I loved Alex Van Halen when I was in my high school. Sure, years, absolutely. Like all of us. Like I tried to learn every tune except Hot for Teacher. Um, and so getting those 2002 hi-hats, I was a little more like like Alex Van Halen. I just happened to happened upon a set of hi-hats that were incredibly versatile. That started me down the road of Pisty. And so uh, 97, uh, 96, 97, I happened to make friends with Rich Mangicaro, who was with them at the time as their artist guy, and he brought me on as an artist. And then when he left, uh, Andrew picked me up uh, and was my guy. And now I, I, it seems like in one way or another, Tim Shahady and I message each other at least every week. That's cool. Uh, and so, so Peisty has been great about um, keeping in touch with me and paying attention to this really odd career that I have that uh, is nothing like most of the people you would think sure. that are working players. Uh, and, and not to mention the fact now, at the time, the things I liked about Peisty were that they sounded great, especially on recordings. I knew that even in the 90s, I wanted to be a recording drummer. Absolutely. That was my thing. But uh, especially now, it seems like the past seven or eight years, they've really opened up their edges mm -hmm. and they're manufacturing symbols in ways that they didn't traditionally do that back in the 
70s, 80s, 60s, 50s, like as far back as the company starting, they've started introducing these manufacturing techniques that expand the sonic possibilities of their line. Right. It's the one line of symbols that I can honestly say I can get any kind of sound out of. If I want that classic, shiny, uh, pristine, piesty sound, I can get that. You know, the, Between 2002 stuff and signature stuff, I can get those sounds, and I've got things in both those lines. Right. Um, if I want something that's a little more me and my sound today uh, a few years ago when they came out with the 602s i almost bought a whole rack of vintage 602s and then i got the bug in my ear don't do that yet because those things are expensive yeah. don't do that yet we're actually going to remake them and they sound just like the old 602s and so of course when those came out bought a whole rack of the 602s and I loved them. They're a great all-around symbol. Like, if you need a great sounding set of hats for any kind of gig, 602s are fabulous. If you need a great sounding, hey, that's a classic ride symbol sound, 602s are great. But then... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> of course, for a little while, my favorite drummer officially swapped to Gretsch drums. Right. After I'd been there for a while. I like to say he rode my coattails into that. Yes, he makes did. Me, makes me feel good about it. We're watching you. <laughs> but then he swapped to another company, unfortunately. I do still have one of their kits. And, right. Um, but the thing that was like the the shot heard around the world was when Vinny moved over to Piesty. Absolutely. And uh, originally he started with the 602s. But I'm like, hey, we know Vinny. Vinny is all about his sound. Yeah. As he should be. Yeah. And so I kind of knew going in, whatever happens, he's eventually going to end up with his own thing. Yeah. And that's when they came out with the Modern Essentials. And I, I'll tell you this. The Modern Essentials are the first symbol line that I bought sight unseen. Right. He had a lot to do with that. Sure. Uh, and the fact I love him so much has a lot to do with it. I'm a little bit of a fanboy. But... The ideology behind them is really why I bought them. Because I and they knew, sound phenomenal. I mean, they're beautiful sounding symbols. I knew they would sound great in the studio. Right. Because so much of my work takes place in that environment. I wanted something that I knew if my favorite guy who does a ton of recording was going to use them as his all-around go-to. go-to, then that was the ones for me. So, uh, and, and he was right. It's like the most chocolatey, buttery, lush, amazing. It's got all the things you like about Piesty, that bright, pristine yeah, shimmer. Because they do have a slightly higher frequency, especially recording wise. Right, right, right. But they've got this low, chocolatey, smoky sure. thing that it just, it, it's a warmth I've never really heard from a Piesty symbol before. Uh, amazing sound. Sure. But then again, in keeping with the right tool for the right job, you know, now they've opened up their line, their lines to more of the Turkish style. They right. brought in some of those Turkish Branched manufacturing styles. More. And so when you get into like the 20 series, you get something that sounds more like what you're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. When you get into the traditionals, you get something that's, it's like a newer version of an old sound. Right. And so across all of the lines now, I literally feel like I can walk in and, especially in my studio, there's a rack of symbols there. I can pull off the perfect thing 
for whatever I'm doing. Right. It doesn't matter. And a lot of times when I go to gigs now, I'll take, I usually will take two assortments of cymbals. Yeah. I'll take one that I know is going to sound great. And then I'll take a second set that I'm like, I don't know this room that I'm in. These might do better in a different kind of room. And almost always uh, I'll pull up and one of those sets is the perfect thing. Mm -hmm. Occasionally I'll be like, eh, these other hi-hats from this other Peisty line sound better in this room. Right. But most of the time, like the other night, I pulled up, pulled out the Modern Essentials, boom, bada-bing, they sound amazing. Other times I'll pull up and maybe it's some stuff from the 20 series that they just play better in the room. You know, I still love some of the old signature series, man. That's oh, a great man, line of dude. I've got most of the signature stuff I have now, like the dark crisp hats. You can't really get them anymore. Right. And um, that is that is a very identifiable sound. Yeah. I lo- the signature sound was one of the first things that I went, I need to try and buy everything. Right. So I, I have the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> got to have it. So I've got a full complement of signature stuff that I, I still do pull them out. Probably not as much as I used to now that they've got these other offerings. But yeah, there's definitely, there's like a, a sound to those things that when when it's the right screwdriver for the right nut, then sure, they sure. tool analogy, tool analogy, tool analogy. I think we've geeked out on these folks good enough today. Have we? You know, we haven't talked about though. What? And I, maybe we can put this out as a call to action. Um, here's my area of frustration right now. Okay. For, well, since 97, I had, up until a couple of years ago, I had been with a stick company. Okay. And for one reason or another, we didn't talk about heads, by the way. That's true. We'll circle back. Hang on. Let me finish okay. this thought. Of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I had been with a particular stick company for a while, uh, and especially when it was more of a mom-and-pop establishment and I could get most anything I wanted done, um, and they understood kind of the arc of what I'm doing. Um, I used another brand of stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a certain point, I definitely got to the point where you are with your drums and your cymbals where I wanted one stick that did all of it, all of it, at least 95% of it. And I, uh, so I started looking around in other companies and I found some nice surrogates, but now having, having gone through, uh, trying some different things and maybe trying a few prototypes having, having been made for me. Thank you very much, uh, for hooking me up with some of that stuff. And, uh, and to a few people out there that may be watching this that have made some things for me. Thank you very much. Um, I'm on a quest for the perfect stick. The st- perfect stick for me. Sure. That hopefully, like everything else that I'm starting to brand, um, is a great all-around perfect stick for a lot of other people. I think you're in the same boat, too, yep. in that you had some sticks that were your perfect stick that maybe for one reason or another you're not uh, you're not able to get what you'd like. Yes, I would agree with that. There's a so, challenge with that. Where does that leave us? Looking for sticks. Because <laughs> we have these designs, I'm gonna, I'm gonna we have these. In, I'm going to put myself in this camera right here and go. Hmm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Hmm. Is that enough of a hint? That's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so we're both on the hunt, not only for a, a new stick company, um, but particularly someone who can make exactly the thing that we want. Because yours is very specific. Mm-hmm. You've, you've actually had another company make your stick. Yes. Um, mine, I've had some prototypes of. I've had something that I've been using that's very close. But uh, I do have designs on exactly what it is that I'm looking for now. And um, 
getting somebody to make that has been the challenge. And in the past year, almost two years, I've been, I've had people make things for me, but they just haven't been the right not, thing. Not quite the right fit. So uh, especially now where I am with the Session Ace brand and where I am in the fact that the one stick that was my surrogate has now been discontinued. And I bought every one that was available in North America and half of South America. So there is no more stock of this stick. Interesting still. Interesting to see where that one surfaces. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see how that turns out. Um, but I but I also have some things I want to do with a stick that uh, have never really been done commercially. Sure. Uh, some features on a stick that make it an incredibly versatile stick. And we'd like to do some branding for the show. Of course. You know, and, and sell them on the site. So yeah. we're just going to throw that out into the world. And we're just going to, you know, we're just going to say if there's anyone that is within the sound of our voice our virtual wavelength to working pros that are also very good businessmen. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, that know how to sell things and know how to get other people sold on great products, uh, great Absolutely. products, great tools. Uh, or the, the tagline for session ACE is remarkable tools for musical craftsmen. Really, like that. that's 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 really what I know. That's what I'm about, and that's what you're about. So uh, we're just going to throw that out in the world. Since we're in front of a camera, in front of the interwebs, the interwebs, and there are a lot of people I know. Dude, there are people now looking at the stats from the past few weeks. There are people from um, Ireland and Scotland. There, I think we had a few people from France this week that were watching and were listening. Uh, we broke into Asia this not. Literally, but figuratively, we broke into Asia. <laughs> broke into Asia this week, uh, especially uh, Japan and China. I love seeing that come across. That's the very nice. So we're starting to be we're, we're global, up. man. We are truly global at this point. So I'm sure that there's someone within the sound of our voice that would uh, like to. Um, entertain a conversation. Sure. We'll just kind of say that. So, so I will backtrack us a little bit back to drumheads. Yes, because again, you and I both have made a change. Yes. I, I about a year ago, I made a, mm. a change Sorry, for the better. And I, I want to shout out to Mr. Chris Brady at Aquarian Drumheads for welcoming in, me into the Aquarian Drumhead family. I could not be happier with the, talking about having the right tools in the toolbox, yeah. the amount of, versatility that they have and especially with the particular drums that I use with yeah. my tricks I I absolutely love them amazing products and great people Chris is an amazing guy he's him and Tim and Mike Dorfman just wonderful people yeah. in the industry um so thank you for that yeah. and I, conversely uh, you know I had been with 97 98 right around that time was when most of my most of my endorsements I solidified and I'm one of those guys, I'm a lifer, man. When I love yeah. something, I love it for a long Dedicated time. Dedicated people. Yeah. I mean, just ask my wife. She's been with me for 22 years, buddy. Right. <laughs> Checks in thin. the mail, Rose. <laughs> I stick with it, man. Thick or thin, baby. Um, but uh, again, a couple of years ago, as I was really refining my sound, especially for recording, uh, the company I've been with since 97 took a little bit of a turn. Um, they, they were one of these companies that got absorbed by another one. Yeah, they got absorbed by a larger company, and that company absorbed them. 
did what that company does, and it's a smart business move. They homogenized the lines. They took a lot of these different offerings and pared it down to the most profitable things for them to make, the things that were most popular. Cookie cutter corporate. Well, yeah, and 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 it, it's valid. It's a valid way of of it's uh, business. I mean, well, absolutely. I mean, you you. It looks better on the P and L statement. It You're definitely right. does. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's a way to run your business. And sure. for some people it works. Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, eventually it sort of homogenized the sound of this, this company's products so that, uh, other than swapping from say a single ply head to a double ply head or from a more open head to one that was, uh, treated, uh, we'll just call it a treated head. If it has some kind of application sure, on it, that sure, makes it sure. sound different. Other than those tonal differences, I really couldn't really tell much of a tone difference from line to line or from segment to segment in their catalog. Um, I needed to, again, I needed the right tool for the job. And right, I, I'm gonna, I, sound. I, you realize I'm about to out myself here I know, I know. on, on international on television, national television. <laughs> international now, baby. Chew TV. Cause you're about to get chewed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there there are a hundred thousand DJs that are riveted to their screens right now. They're watching. They're going, "What is he about to say? What is he about to say? What is he about to say?" Um, I have fallen in love with Aquarian Drumhead, man. Uh, I used them back when I was a teenager when I loved Randy Castillo, and I got I those head, those studio, I guess head, it had the had the white and Ring. black on the yep. on the outside and the white dots on the inside, and Randy Castillo was my dude. I had the instructional video with the pink background because men like pink in the That's background. Right. Pink background, black drums, black leather. Nothing says masculine rock and roll like that. And, uh, and he was using aquarium drum heads at the time. That's, that was my first. Um, unfortunately, that was all I knew about their sound. And right, so eventually right, right. I moved on. Sure. But, um, but yeah, um, shout out to a couple of our friends, that uh, some that are endorsed and some that aren't. Um, Ken Aberley is one person that uh, I'll, I'll give him some props. always been a big proponent. I'll give him some props because he turned me on to the modern vintage heads. And I will say that um, – at this point, like 60% of the time, I'm using modern vintage heads. And another one would be Mike Froge, another yes. great yeah. drummer in town, engineer, yeah. producer. Yeah. Uh, those, so those shout are, out to Those Mike. are guys, some of the guys that uh, that were using aquarium drum heads that I was able to actually get in front of a kit with them and listen to them. And for the past two years, I literally have – I hate how people throw that word around, but I just did it uh, – I would get in my car and drive to the ATL Collective. Drum Collective. ATL Drum Collective. Because there is an ATL oh, Collective. This is where I make the snip <laughs> and the edit. Insert. And it looks like I The ATL Drum Collective. <laughs> this makes it in the out. Brother Clint runs yeah. a nice shop down there. So I went to the ATL Drum Collective for the past two years. I've been going to the ATL Drum Collective, getting in my car and driving 45 minutes one way to go and get my drum heads from those guys. And I will say this to tag onto this. For those of you that don't know, ATL Drum Collective has the best selection of drum heads yeah. in this town. Yeah. If you need something, they have it. They have a whole set of sizes yeah. versus like one of something right, and right. no others to match. 
Especially when it comes to things like drum heads, they are what Atlanta Pro used to be to us back in the day. Yes. Like you walk in, Atlanta Pro, I used to buy my sticks there before I had an endorsement deal. There's a wall of everything ever made. It's everything was there. Yeah. You could you could you could go. Hey man, do you have the uh, chips enough? Enough's enough signature drumsticks with the neon stamping <laughs> and a light up tips. You really were an '80s guy, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, baby. They would they would break those sticks out. Not only would they have one pair, they would have twelve pair of them. Right. You could buy a whole brick of them there. Uh, ATL Drum Collective is like that now, especially yeah. with drum heads. You drum walk heads. In, the- entire wall and accessories they're great with a lot of stuff that yeah the stuff that you really need when you know you can find it there so uh so uh so for the past two years yeah i've been getting in my car and driving down there and getting my drum heads from them when i could be because i still have a relationship with this other company order what you need because i some money i endorse some of their other product lines that have nothing to do with drum heads or drumsticks um i i could jump on there and I could get artist pricing on all that stuff. But for me, the sound that I found in, and again, it's not one sound. That's the thing I love about Aquarian is that if there's a sound in my head, they probably make a head that will do that thing. And there's a drastic difference between the modern vintage heads and just their standard run of the mill, um, single ply coated ambassador style head. Mm -hmm. And texture coated. Yep, uh, there's a there's a huge difference. Now there's some things in that line that are familiar to me. I've been using the Force Ones on my kick drums mm-hmm. because there was a certain head in this other company's sure. line that I liked. That head, I was a diehard for that head. Right, and uh, and they make something that's incredibly similar. Yep, I um, use that one myself. Yeah, it's a great it's a great head. Uh, with uh, with one of my vintage kits, I've got the modern vintage that has the little felt strip that's built mm-hmm. into the mm-hmm. head. It. It does what I would normally do, and it doesn't rattle. It's a problem with putting the felt strip in is eventually it stretches out and starts flapping, and the microphone hears it. And so now I've got a felt strip that's actually adhesived onto the head. I don't have to worry about those things anymore. Aquarium takes out all my worries. And those modern vintage heads sound great on anything. I've got a set of those on the studio kit right now. I put a set of them. The first place I used them were on my main uh, USA Custom drums and i put them on there didn't think much about them put the classic clear thing on the bottoms that's that what they call them classic clears, clears. Yeah. okay i'm not into the nomenclature yet but i'll get there um put the classic clears on the bottoms put the modern vintage on the top and i thought i'd bought a new drum set right and for the better i thought my drums had sounded good i thought i'd gotten a great recording sound I don't have EQs right now in my studio because I don't need them on my drums because these heads just immediately got me the sound in the room at the microphone that I needed. And you actually turned me onto the modern vintages. I hadn't tried them yet. And they, great sounded drum Yeah, great. Uh, uh, But the texture coatings are great. I use those. I've got a few of the snare drums that have the Jack Dijonette. And again, that's one of those things where it's not just a black coated head. Right. It's, it's a different kind of drum head. Like if I take the same snare drum and put the regular white texture coated and then take it off and put a modern vintage on it, different drum. Absolutely. Take that off, put the Jack Dijon out, different drum. Very, very different sounds for across the entire line. 
And if I want to go back to my Randy Castillo sound, you can. With my big old rock and roll drums, I can get. And the and the durability of these heads is unbelievable. They yeah. last a lot longer yeah. than everything else. I would say too. Oh yeah, yeah. And very consistent when you, you know, sometimes you could pull other brands out of a box and right. they don't necessarily match up. But these are. Yeah. Spot on. Well, and I, I, the the thing that finally sold me again, I'm I'm one of those guys that I need a lot of things. Sure. I'm, You're needy. I'm, it's okay. I'm very needy. I'm very needy. I'm, I'm, I take up a lot of your bandwidth. I just uh, <laughs> no. I I'm very specific yeah. artistically. If there's any artist in me at all, it's the guy who's very specific about. I need this right now to do this right. this way because I want it to be perfect. I want it to be the thing that's in somebody else's head or that's in my head. And like, I, I want, I want people when they hear something that I do to go, Holy cow. How did, what sort of wizardry is this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, yeah, I really like a Jedi approach to the art of sound, uh, whether I'm, uh, playing the drums or engineering, the whatever. Um, And so there was one thing after all of that that sold me on Aquarian as being the one brand I could get into that could handle anything. And that's when it came to the vintage drums. So the problem with having vintage drums, and I've got, like I said, I've got the two kits. I've got a, a whole cadre of vintage snare drums. And the problem with a lot of vintage drums is that they're a different size than modern drums. Sure. You go take your regular coated ambassador and you put it on a Gretsch snare drum from the 50s and it's not going to fit yep. unless you want to stand on it. Right, put your, right. Put your elbow into it <laughs> and tap on it Does with a little tap properly. on it with a little tack hammer and you know if you want it, but to right. to set the the head on a on a vintage drum and have it go and have enough room around there that you can really seat it properly and then tune it properly. Um, when I found out that they make this American hoop versus this other standard kind of hoop, right. then that sold me because now, especially with snare drums, but also toms and kick drums, sure. but especially snare drums. I know if I have a vintage drum or sometimes I'll get a boutique drum from a boutique manufacturer, some mom and pop, and they do something real weird. Stave shells are kind of like this. There's a bunch of different drums that are like this that are new drums. You put the, you get that wider collar, you set it right on there and there's no work to be done. Right. Other than just making sure it's centered up really. Sure, sure. Tunes up perfectly. And I'll tell you something, and, and again, I'm not a scientist. I don't even play one on the internet. <laughs> but there is something about the way they make the collar on these drums yeah. that it almost comes with a little bit of tension built into it. Yeah, they're almost pre-tuned a little bit. So if I put the head on and I go finger tight all the way around and I give it just a little bit more finger tightness so that it actually begins to pull the head taut, I can actually play the drum. Yeah, yeah. So when you're going for that big, like we're talking about big country earlier, that gushy kind of sound where the heads are just as low as they'll go, you can actually go lower right. and still have some response out of the head. I don't know what, it, Chris Brady, you're going to have to tell us what this voodoo is because I have no idea. But you can. You can get a much lower tuning out of these and get a usable pitch mm. and a usable response out of these heads. And it's the first time I've ever seen that. Like, I don't really go around looking for the ripples anymore. Yeah, because you get them, they, they come to tension so much quicker. I think it's part of it's a shorter collar. 
something about it, man. But it's, and it's funny, the first time I put a new set on Mm -hmm. and not knowing that you you go to your old standby and you're like, okay, I have over there. No, these are not too high. Yeah. Right. So you back them off and you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Your brain, your brain's doing (laughs) this thing. So you almost, you end up saving time tuning yeah because they're quicker to respond they, they really do. and they're very forgiving too if, if you happen to knock like snare drums if you happen to knock a lug out a little bit you know tension rod kind of comes out yeah it won't it doesn't detune on you it, it doesn't detune nearly as much and if it does if i'm really waylaying some stuff and it ha- i happen to knock it out um the overall pitch of the drum doesn't change very much, and the sound of the drum doesn't change yes. a whole. You lot. don't lose it, sure. And and that's the worst thing in the world. Like if I'm doing a track, and it's a you know it's a four minute track, and I'm just punishing, like whittling these things to sawdust. Even if I put lug locks on the things, I'm knocking the lug locks off. Right. Um, and and what I find is that if I listen at the beginning of the take to the end of the take, when everything has come off the rails, the drums sound almost identical. Yeah, even though the tuning has changed, even though I've got tension rods laying on the floor, sure, the consistency something is... about that head, man. I don't know what that voodoo science is, but um, and that's important. That's super important for me because there's nothing worse than getting the perfect take and then going back and going crap. Right, the snare drum dropped like, like three steps lower than right, when I started. Right. You know, and now I got to punch in and do all this other right. stuff. No, it's it's fine. I Retrack it. You know. Yeah, man, I'm trying to optimize my time. Right. Yeah. And time is of, money, Brian. Speaking of optimizing time, I got to, before we get out of here, I got to pimp this thing. Okay. I'm going to throw up the old graphic. Do it. Make sure you support our sponsor because you are directly supporting us. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. A, a ton of you guys have gone to uh, the Session Ace website and bought a set of the ESTs. Uh, these are Hands down, I, I don't flinch when I tell you these are the best in-ear monitors that you'll ever buy for yourself. Dollar figure, fit, non-fit, what? I, I agree. They, they sound amazing. It's the best sound and set. Best money you'll spend. It really is. And it's affordable enough that you could probably even buy two and uh, have a nice backup or have a set for the practice room and a set for your gigs. Just have a set everywhere. Just make you know it easy. What? At that well, you price, don't have to, right? you could either you buy, have to carry a set. You could Just... buy a set of $1,200 ears or you could have 12 sets of ESTs in 12 different places. If that's not a great sales pitch, I don't know what it is. That's, that's genius. <laughs> so that's how you get value for your money, kids. Go. That's it, baby. That's how you do it. As, as Dave King says. And that's how you get the gig. That's right. And I wish he would come back to doing some more of those things. I know, right? We'll, we got to get him on the show. Maybe we'll right. talk, oh, we'll talk to him about that. Let's yeah. do that. All right. That. Write that. Put that in the spreadsheet. And guys, thank you for hanging with us. Hopefully you got a ton of value out of this. Hopefully you geeked out with us. And but, if you have questions, let us know. Yeah. You want to talk about your gear or what you use or what you like, what you don't like. Hit us up. Yeah, I mean, take a picture of your drums in your practice space or on your gig or in whatever recording session you're doing and uh, make sure you t- hashtag us. Hashtag dial a drummer. Uh, leave some comments. Ask us a question. You can always uh, email that to us, dialadrummer at gmail.com. And please, by all means, follow us on every social media network. And now if you do a little search on chew.tv, you probably find dial a drummer as well. So, nice. uh, everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Periscope, 
and a whole bunch of other places that you may not even know that we are right now. So just do a search for Dial a Drummer and uh, share us with all your friends. Bring your friends into this uh, nice little uh, family of people that like to geek out on drums. And um, if you don't already know, uh, dialadrummer.net is the site. You can watch us. You can listen to us. We There's so many ways you can get to us. And uh, that's all I got, brother. That's a good one. Thank so, you, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us yet another week. 13, baby. Uh, we made it. it. 13. Lucky 13. What is that? In, uh, oh, that, that's more in my brain. <laughs> I think my brain's checked out at this point. <laughs> so, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for being here every week with us. Thanks for sharing us uh, with your friends and bringing more friends to the party. Uh, put one foot in front of the other. Uh, just keep playing some great music and go out there and, and just be awesome. See ya. Bye.